Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'll be honest, this week is all about lies. Grace Para, Megan Gailey, and Dana Schwartz join in studio to talk about lies we tell each other, lies we tell ourselves, and why liars are so dang fascinating. Alyssa Mastromonaco also joins to discuss the vindication of Michelle Wolf's smoky eye of lies joke and look ahead to the Democrats who could challenge our liar-in-chief in 2020. Plus, as always, our hills. Before we get to the show, a little bit of housekeeping. First, if you want to submit a hill that you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. You can also send other correspondence there, but keep in mind that I'm not the only one who checks it, so send hate mail or love letters elsewhere, or you could just shout them into mayonnaise jars and throw them into the sea uh, because I don't really need to read hate mail. Neither does Caroline. (laughs) Next, we have merch in the works. I promise you I've been looking at it. I'm biased. I think it's awesome. And when it does come out, you'll be really glad that it is out. And uh, it's, it's really, it's really great. Third thing is I'm trying something new this week where I give a shout out to a special group of listeners. I get a lot of email and tweets from people who listen to hysteria on the treadmill. So I want to dedicate this week's episode to all of you who are listening on the treadmill right now. Now let's get to the show. Hello. Hello. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's <laughs> Alyssa Mastermonico. Maybe it's laryngitis. Oh, no. How I bad don't know is it? How this, I don't know how this happens. I really did a lot of hot water and lemon before you called, but I just woke up with no voice. It's so weird. Um. Well, if it makes you feel any better, it sounds really cute. Well, it gets a real like Smurfette quality to it. <laughs> it sure I does. Know. <laughs> it sure does. So uh, Mueller report dropped and there's a lot of stuff in it. 
And it seems like everybody who read it is like, oh, man, this is not great for the president. And everybody who doesn't seem like they ever read was like total vindication. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things that that was like what's really was really funny to me was the report dropped on and Barr gave his press conference and Trump was like vindication. And then after people actually started reading it and being like, wait, actually not. Trump was like, that's crazy. It's like he didn't he couldn't even be bothered to read it. It's about well, you know him. Well, the thing was, is that like the thing where I like where I feel it all like went a bit off the rails is that it's basically the the Mueller report was the confirmation that the leaks had been true. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So like there was no revelation really that came. I mean, other than they are as stupid as, you know, as the leaks made them out to be. But I felt like that was the problem. It felt like anticlimactic, not because there wasn't a ton of bad shit in there, mm -hmm. but because we had heard it for the last year. Mm -hmm. And we heard it from the press. And it's not illegal to lie to the press. Like these people were telling the truth to the press of their own volition, you know. And so the news reports we were reading were people just being like, yeah, this is what's going on. And it's crazy. One of the things that stuck out to me, though, that differed from what we heard in the press was a little bit of a vindication of Michelle Wolf. Uh, last year, if you'll recall, at the <laughs> absolutely at the White House Correspondents Dinner, which people call nerd prom, but I think is more a little bit like a hell middle school dance. <laughs> it is. But it everybody's is. Like middle-aged. Brutal winter formal. Right, right. But everybody's like middle-aged and they're like, this is the only time that I'm going to be photographed this year, so I better brush my hair. Um, but the thing about the White House Correspondents Dinner last year was Michelle Wolf uh, was the headliner. And during her set, which was blistering or bracing or scalding, depending on what article about it you read. Uh, Michelle Wolf said that um, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders' perfect smoky eye was made of lies, which isn't really a joke as much as it is just a thing that's pointing out that she lies and also that her eye makeup was a little over the top. But after that, uh, there was a little bit of a blowback in the press about who has the right to say what about Sarah Huckabee Sanders and whether it's okay to make fun of a woman's looks in any way. Alyssa, do you recall the the news cycle that happened right after Michelle Wolf's? Oh my goodness. You mean the hysteria for lack of a better word? Oh, I oh think hysteria is the best word. It was, it was the most high drama call on Michelle to apologize, like people disavowing her, even reporters. The most repugnant part of it was when reporters were like, man, Michelle Wolf went too far. That wasn't right. And you're like, oh, so, so Sarah's a source for you. That's why you didn't like exactly. the show. Exactly. Because Sarah's your source. I get it. And this whole, like, if you're a feminist, you're not going to make fun of how she looks. She wasn't making fun of how she looked. She made fun of her for being a fucking liar. <laughs> exactly. And well, here uh, along those lines, I have Mika Brzezinski consistently on the wrong side of this issue, might I add. Mika Brzezinski rending herself, basically <laughs> saying, watching a wife and mother be humiliated on national television for her looks is deplorable. Well, OK, first of all. Yes, Alyssa, you're right that it wasn't about her looks. It was about the fact that she's a liar. And I would say even if it was about her looks, it was about her aesthetic choices. And maybe this makes me a terrible feminist, and I'm sure people will disagree with me. But I think that it is perfectly fine to make fun of the terrible aesthetic choices of terrible women. I do. 
I think it's fine because I do too. And people have made, I mean, I'm not even a terrible person. I don't think so. And people have made fun of me for things that I've worn before. And like, you know, and they weren't wrong. Okay. They weren't wrong. We have to stand by our choices. And if I liked it fine, but if someone else wanted to make fun of me, I looked in the mirror. I was like, you know what? Maybe Kara was right. Maybe those, you know, shorts with sunflowers on them in seventh grade were like really a poor choice. (laughs) I mean, Alyssa, I'm wearing puffy sleeves today. And you know me, I'm an evangelist against sleeves. And I would be perfectly fine if somebody made fun of the fact that I wore a shirt that has puffy sleeves on it. It's not an affront to my humanity for someone to make fun of a thing that somebody wears. But but the reason that I think that this kind of shirt rending and Mika Brzezinski-ing of the aftermath of the Michelle Wolf set was so silly is that in the Mueller report, it vindicates the fact that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a liar. Not just any kind of liar. <laughs> she lies the about the kind of liar who gets up. I mean, like there's lying like, oh, I think that your pants look nice kind of lie. And then there's getting up and saying that the workforce of the FBI has lost faith in its leadership, which is like, that's like beyond a lie. Yeah, that's just, it's a complete and utter fabrication. That's, that's imagination. That's, um, that's imagination to serve an evil end. And she said it was a slip of the tongue in the moment. Only, only after, only after it was, it was in writing that she said she made it up entirely. Like, this is the best point about these fucking lunatics is that, she says to the FBI, and like, you're not going to lie to the FBI, not when you're standing there like staring Mueller in the face, that you straight up lied about it. It's in writing. It's reported out. And she's like, actually, it was a slip of a tongue. Just stop. Like, just stop. We don't have the energy. Just stop. Yeah. I'm really excited for her not to have a career anymore. I just think that she's done so many awful things and she stood up for such an awful person. And she seems so unrepentant about how much she's lied. Repentant. I want to transition away from the sort of shitstorm that is our recent past and present and move a little bit toward the possible hope for our future. Alyssa, you watched all five town halls this week, didn't you? I did. I did in real time. In real time. And that is A, very impressive and B, might have given you laryngitis. I mean, it could have, it was, it was, it was a real, I have to tell you for the good of the world, like, I really think you got to cap that shit at three. It's like, you shouldn't have more town halls than you can have glasses of wine to accompany <laughs> it without being utterly hammered. But like I did watch, I did watch all five. I, I did nod off towards the end of Mayor Pete, no indictment of Mayor Pete, but it was the 11 o'clock hour and mama was tired. Okay. Well, what were your big takeaways from the town halls? Oh, my big takeaways. Well, I thought it was very now look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play coy here. I mean, I just thought fucking Elizabeth Warren killed it. She's so good. I thought that, you know, everyone performed pretty well. I thought it was I thought that that there, you know, that Amy Amy Klobuchar definitely to me, like she's obviously very smart. She doesn't like connect in the way that I think some other people connect. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see who else. Um, then our, I mean, God, Elizabeth Warren, I just thought that she came like that she sat in the back and listened to some really good like Stevie Nicks music and was like, I am going out there and I'm going to just win tonight. Mm-hmm. And she just had thoughtful answers that had a narrative that could connect to the audience and make all of us understand complicated policy issues, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a huge win. Um, 
I thought Bernie, you know, the thing I appreciate about Bernie is that he just told the truth. You know, some of his answers weren't very popular, like when he said people in prisons should have the right to vote, mm-hmm. like while they're in prison. And people found that very controversial. The thing that they didn't flag is that like, that's actually the law in Vermont, mm-hmm. that it's been that way that you can, you can vote. So that's kind of like from where he comes and, and sees it as a, as a, you know, reasonable expression, I guess, of our civil rights, even mm-hmm. in prison. And let's see who else was there. There was Kamala. I thought Kamala did a really good job, um, except she has this thing where when she doesn't want to answer a question, she says, let's have a conversation about that. And it's like, no, that's what this is for. Yeah. She, Kamala has, um, I watched clips of Kamala and Elizabeth um, just because I prioritize female candidates over male. I'm just going to admit it. Um, I watched uh, Kamala and Elizabeth. I haven't gotten to Amy Klobuchar yet, but Ka- Kamala is uh a person who is very clearly professional and very um, straightforward. And you can tell that she has worked in a courtroom a lot. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that plays to her advantage in every context in a debate. I can see her really wiping the floor with someone who didn't do their homework. Uh, But I don't know how it feels in a town hall because that relationship between the candidate and the, and the crowd is a lot less adversarial than a debate. Yes, I agree entirely. And then, you know, Mayor Pete, like Mayor Pete did a good job for me personally. I just saw the the difference in age and experience, you know, of him in that forum than say looking at someone like Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. you know, and like Amy Klobuchar, who had been a process or a DA and, and the same with Kamala. So, I mean, everyone did well, I think. Um, but I just, I really thought that, you know, Elizabeth really just was like the bright, shiny star who, you know, all of a sudden every, you know, the next day, the day before everyone's like, Oh, Elizabeth Warren's only pulling at 5%. She didn't raise that much money. But then, I mean, just as it always happens the next day, people are like, I think she's going to be the breakout star. (laughs) Like what? Yeah. If you think Elizabeth Warren is only now going to be the breakout star, you haven't been paying attention to her at all. I remember hearing a frontline interview with her from like more like 15 years ago and thinking, I want this woman to be the president. She's such an impressive and talented and human person when she when she speaks. And um, that was also on the same day that she released her plan to forgive student loan debt for certain uh, households for people with uh, under $1,000 in income and also to make college, I guess, free for some people. I I haven't read the plan entirely, but um, she had a plan for exactly how to how what what the what the goal was and how she would implement it and it was a tax on rich people who have over 50 million dollars and it just seems yes and I encourage all of our hysteria listeners to go and read about it because I could explain it but that's not going to do anything justice because I sat there and researched it so that I made sure I understood it when I was watching the debate because I am a nerd Mm-hmm. But like the one thing that I was like a little discouraged by in the end when Mayor Pete did his when he was talking and, you know, I think it was Anderson kept saying like, you know, you don't have a ton of policy. And he said something to the effect of and I'm totally paraphrasing that, um, you know, Democrats don't want that level of minutia. I disagree. And I was like, no, I do. I do. I think the problem is people didn't ask for enough minutia from Trump. And like, here we are. Right, exactly. I think we need to run on minutia and clear plans that actually have 
ways to pay for them and actually and have... they can be fact-checked. Exactly. I think I like Mayor Pete too. I was a little discouraged by his answers uh, that I've I read about, about um, criminal justice stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't super excited about that. I saw some analysts saying that he was running for the middle of the country and he was trying yeah. to be smart and blah, 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 blah. But sometimes I think that the politically smart thing to say, the politically savvy thing to say, isn't always the morally right thing to say. And it's a judgment call when you say one thing or the other thing. But I just was a little discouraged by that. Well, I think if there's one thing that anybody should take away from 2016 is that what got the revolution started and what got people super into Bernie is that he talked without fear of consequence. Mm -hmm. You know, he said exactly what he thought, love it or leave it. And, um, and I think that when people start calibrating too much, that's when they get into territory where people can sniff them out. Right. And, and that kind of feeds into our overall theme for the show today, which is lying. I think Some people are susceptible to being lied to if the lie is what they want to believe to be true. This never seems long enough. I wish I could just beam you into the studio and then we could just I mean, we could go on forever. I know. And maybe someday we will. I mean, we will. Don't worry. It'll happen. It'll happen. We're Oprah. (laughs) Oh, my God. We are Oprah together. (laughs) Smaller. Very white. (laughs) I mean, we're like Nopra, I guess, in that way. (laughs) All right, Alyssa, it's great talking to you as always. Talk to you next week. Love you. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, that does it for news. And we have to take a break. But when we come back, personal political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, mean, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a, oh. it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put a a blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim Denim shirt, blazer, leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, Ugh. Um, our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah, but um my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um family on a on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee.
And welcome back to More Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. We are getting to the part of the show where we talk for a long time about things we think about a lot. First, I want to welcome the panel today. She's a writer slash columnist now? Future sex columnist? Hopefully. Hopefully future. <laughs> as aspirant future sex columnist, <laughs> Dana Schwartz. Dana, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to? What'd you do this Easter? Um, well, I'm Jewish, so I spent my Easter uh, at a Seder, at a Passover Seder. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, like you know, the Holy Week, that whole thing. It's like when Christianity and Judaism are kind of like uh, we agree. Yeah. yeah, this is a thing. This is a weekend. For yeah, us. yeah, okay. yeah. So I had a, a great Seder, and um, I ate matzah for the first time in a year, and then I will not eat it again for another year. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I've only only been to one Seder in my life. Really? Yeah, I'm from like rural Wisconsin. I'd never met a Jewish person until I was 17. Besides, you know, Jesus, <laughs> my best friend. You Everyone's favorite Jew. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it sounds like a really like cool holiday like thing. I really it's like one of my favorite family holidays. I was sad that I couldn't go back to Chicago to be with my family this year. But my dad, every year since I was a child, wears a Moses beard for the Seder. Amazing. Like a giant gray Moses beard. And I think this is the year where after like 25 years, we got a new beard. Oh, that wow. So and gross. Is the old one going to be in like a glass case? I feel like we have to put it in a museum somewhere. Did your family come out here? Or did you no, celebrate back here? I just celebrated with friends here. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. And also, like, I want to see photos of this Moses beard. Oh, oh, we have plenty. Oh, good. Well, let's talk about it offline. Well, <laughs> Next, I want to bring in actor, writer, comedian. Comedian? Sure. Grace Parra. I don't have a Moses beard. No. God, that's real comedy. You do have mom jeans, though, that I gave. I do. Aaron, Aaron gave me some mom jeans this morning, which I'm really pumped about. They're very spring yeah. Color. Yeah. They're like a, a stone wash. I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, how yeah. was your holiday weekend? Did you do anything? Uh, oh, it was great. It was very similar to other holidays we've talked about here on Hysteria, where I have a bunch of family and friends over and I host a whole thing and I'm in the kitchen for hours. I made a honey baked ham for the first wow. time. It was wow. great. I made two different types of potatoes, mashed potatoes with garlic and parmesan. I made Oof. some uh, a, a vegan potato salad. We have some vegans in is the... Is this ASMR? Yes, okay. it is. Welcome to Grace Parr's Cooking Hour, <laughs> where she talks about potatoes. That sounds amazing. How many people great. were over? Eight people. Eight people. Eight People. I made some cookies. I just I'm I'm a little Tasmanian devil in the kitchen. That wow. sounds great. It's pretty. It's it's exciting. It's it's good. How does it compare to your Thanksgiving? Because your Thanksgiving, mm. you did it up too. I was a little more stressed about the mm-hmm. turkey. But the nice thing about hams is hams come fully cooked. So you got to do really? the glaze. Yeah, they come fully cooked. You got to do the glaze <laughs> yourself. You gotta you gotta like do the preparation yourself. But the actual ham comes fully cooked. So as a a, a Jewish person, I yes. never kept kosher. Like I've eaten bacon. I've eaten sausage and like. But never in my life have I had like a ham. Or oh like a yeah, ham. I feel like that's just a cultural thing where my mom would make like you know bacon or whatever. But we would never ever like just culturally have like a pork loin or like hot ham. We have hot ham for days. We have like a massive <laughs> Tupperware in my refrigerator now because that thing just is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Hot it's delicious. Ham. That's just like I feel like the biggest <laughs> cultural divide yes. of like a non-kosher Jew. Right. Where I have nothing morally against it. Just it never in my life. Have By the I, way, I've also never been to a Seder. Guys, I know I'm it's, have it's to, a problem. Could you host one, please? I feel like you guys all need to come out to Chicago yeah, and have Michael Schwartz to. with his Moses beard. That sounds amazing. That sounds yeah. so. That sounds so great. Speaking <laughs> of the Midwest, we're going to bring in our third panelist today: comedian writer Megan Gailey, and Hello. we're also both wearing I know animal what? prints, leopard, leopard, cheetah. 
it's some kind of spotted thing. I know it's cute. Megan has a face on it. Yeah. I know, and mine has a whole back. Oh too. wow, a whole back. Oh wow, I bought it used. Oh, <laughs> used. How was your uh, holiday weekend? Were you? Are, have you been touring? No, I was here this weekend, and uh, you know, I got drunk, I got high, I ate a lot, I babysat while drunk and high. No, okay. I very responsible. Stayed sober while I was babysitting, and then um, got drunk and high with the parents after. Cool Ooh, parents. Cool yeah, parents. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And I went to two, I went to one Easter brunch and I yeah, I, I double brunched on Sunday. Whoa, that's mm. decadent. Right now. That's decadent. It was decadent. It was really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well that sounds great. I was in Idlewild, which is this kind of mountain town oh, yeah. a couple hours away, but on the way there we got caught in Coachella traffic. Oh, so it wasn't great. But the cool thing was the moon was really big and we were driving toward it and it was just this massive like full moon sitting on top of the horizon and the dark of the kind of wild California mountains. It was really pretty. Did you get to look in the cars? At the people going to Coachella or coming no, from Coachella? No, we got, we got directed kind of around it. It was okay. like, don't even try to go that direction. So oh, we had to go like okay. a super long roundabout mm. way, but it was cool. It took us through like different parts of, of the state that I hadn't been to. And yeah. There's some hiking and some mountain air and, you know, normal stuff. There was an Easter egg hunt though, and there are all these kids <gasps> running I around. That. That's another, I, I hate to like expose how uh, ill-informed I am. Easter egg hunt, they're real eggs that no. you're looking for? They're like plastic, plastic eggs stuffed with candy. Okay, well, that's not how we did it. What? <laughs> yeah, we what? had, we would, we would actually die like real, well, the Easter bunny. Well, we but, would die real eggs. And hide the real eggs. Oh, no, we were not. My mom puts cash them. in plastic eggs and says, have at it. What? Yeah. What? yeah. Oh, my I feel family. like I really wish I was exposed to this. Yeah. It's my parents dope. used to, I'm the oldest, and my parents used to do a thing with hiding Easter baskets where they would hide them in order, like the older you were, the more difficult a hiding place they would mm. put the Easter oh. basket. And we lived in the country and our yard is enormous and there's all these trees and like nooks and crannies and places and a tree house and there's all this stuff. And also the house is... You know, there's like five people living in it. So it's big enough to accommodate that many people. And so there's lots of places to hide things. And my parents were sadistic (laughs) about hiding my... Easter basket. I remember one of my favorite Easter traditions was crying in frustration, <laughs> not being able to find it. One time my dad hid it in the dryer with what? Like he it was like nestled in the dryer. That's it, a good hiding spot. Wait, though. were there no clues? Was there no direction? No, you just wake up and it's like, where is it? See, wow. it's so funny that like I feel like the Jews have the our weekends time together because this is also like our hunting and finding weekend. Right. The night before Passover, you have to find like the the bread, like the carbs that you're not allowed to eat uh-huh. for the rest. So like my parents I didn't would, know it was like sounds a like living in LA. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, so my parents would like turn off all the lights and like hide a a plastic sandwich bag of like one slice of bread somewhere and we would have to find it with flashlights wow. to like make it harder. And then you have to find the afikomen, which is like the, the piece of matzo. So it's like weird that this weekend they're both the, the search and find and get a prize uh-huh. holidays. Right. Our prize is like Cadbury cream eggs though. 
And yeah. yours is like a, a sandwich bag with a bread in it. Well, no, you, you find it and then you get like a lot yeah, of cash. Get, we're, or or cash. we're Jews. So like what? Golden, go, bloody golden coins. <laughs> <laughs> you can make that joke. I'm allowed to make that joke. My last name is Schwartz. <laughs> um, let's get into the topic for this week. This is a juicy one. And it's one that the more I think about it, I, I kept finding myself getting like angry and intrigued mm-hmm. and angry and intrigued. Um, first, before we even get started on it, I want you all to take your dominant hand and draw a cue on your forehead. Okay. I, Tell yeah. me which way the tail went. Left. Left. My tail went right. Okay. You two are good liars, Grace and Dana. And Megan, you're a bad liar. Okay. Yeah. I, was, right. I was listening <laughs> to listening to a TED Talk about lying. And in the TED Talk, this woman who is an expert on lie spotting said that people who, when you take your dominant hand and draw a cue, mm-hmm. if you draw it with the tail pointing to the left, that means you're more cognizant of what other people perceive and so you're better at lying. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the tests that, that that you can use on yourself if you're a good wow. liar. Wow, oh, Dana. You guys, I mean, I you, think I'm just selfish. <laughs> I was like, I want it. <laughs> this only, is for me. <laughs> only I'm going to have to yeah. read this cue. Uh, but when you think about lying, I mean, lying isn't necessarily something that is, like most things, it's not inherently good or inherently bad. Nobody likes being lied to, but a lot of times we understand when we're telling white lies why we're doing it or when somebody lies us to preserve our feelings, we can kind of, we get it. What do you all think about when you think about lying? Megan, do you want to start? Gosh. I mean, I, I feel like I'm an over-exaggerator. So I'll start at a place of somewhat truth and then I'll take it bigger. And I think I just come by this um, genetically. This is how like my grandparents were and my parents are. So I don't think it's my fault. <laughs> I'm like, this is who I am. This is hereditary. And uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I don't think I lie a lot, but when I was younger, I do think I lied a lot more. And I'm talking like five to 18. Like when I was a child, I lied mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. My, I would also argue that my form of lying is a is if not genetic, it at least comes from my parents. I was I was when I started to parse this this topic out. Initially, I became enraged. I was like, I don't lie. People around me have lied to me, and I don't like it. And then I was like, Grace, you lie every weekend when you tell people that you can't go to their party or to their dinner or yeah. to whatever. That is my form of lying that I yeah. think I do into adulthood constantly. I'm constantly telling people that I can't do things, even if I totally can, but I just want to stay at home on my sofa watching Game of Thrones. Well, that's true. You can't do it because. Yeah. Yeah. You're home watching Game of Thrones. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But I learned that from my parents. My mom definitely was always like, dude, just tell them that your grandmother's dying. It's fine. <laughs> my grandmother has been dying. Even She's been dead for years, but she has been dying for like 30 years. I mean, we're all dying in a way. From, exactly. From the moment we're born, we're exactly. all slowly My mom dying. used to like be on the phone with somebody and I would be quietly sitting doing my homework and she'd be like, ugh, Megan's having a tantrum. I gotta go. And, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I guess you can just do that. <laughs> out of things and that yeah I definitely blame things I'm like CJ has diary I'm not gonna make this joke I mean lying those sorts of lies are kind of harmless because ultimately you're preserving yourself or you're preserving other people's feelings but I think a lot about and and Dana as somebody who's been like kind of on the culture beat um, I've been thinking a lot about our the zeitgeist right now and how we seem to be very fascinated with people who tell big mm. lies yeah, like the scammers the scammers like big enormous lies like Elizabeth Holmes and people who lie about 9/11 and you know our president who is 
one of the biggest scammers of all. Dana, of all the zeitgeisty scammers, which one do you think is the most platonic ideal of liars? <laughs> well, I th- I'm fascinated by Elizabeth Holmes just because the facade hasn't dropped yet. So I'm kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. I uh, sent along, I read this New Yorker profile of this guy, Dan Mallory, who's like a best-selling author. And I was just fascinated by like his not harmlessness of lies, but like the confidence of his lies. So like this profile went in how he like, you know, said he had degrees from places he mm-hmm. didn't and said he, you know, went to Oxford and, you know, didn't graduate and always said he had like brain cancer and his brother committed suicide and his mom was dying, like those sort of lies. And that and like he would get rewarded for it. And it's like that is so counter to like every instinct in my body, like mm-hmm. hearing people who could like confidently be like my brother committed suicide, like it raises my body temperature. Yeah. Like that is just like I it's so counter to my experience that it's like I'm reading a fantasy novel. It does mm-hmm. seem like, and maybe this is untrue, in the literary world, sometimes there'll be books and they're like, yeah. this is my life story. And then it comes out that like none of it is true or it's heavily fabricated. And it, I've always been like, why didn't they just write a fictional book? Mm-hmm. The million, like all they're doing is classifying it as something when they really told a very interesting story. It didn't have to be theirs. Mm-hmm. I think it's like because people like That thing when you're like, I have brain cancer and people are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, they like that. Yeah. I think people want that sort of attention. Victimization. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, for me, that is like the opposite. Like, if I'm ever sick and someone's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm totally great. Like, I just don't want that. But I think people like Mm -hmm. that, like Munchausen's thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that the reason that your body temperature goes up when people tell giant lies like that is because it like society exists like based on we all have a contract with each other. And one of those things is like there are things that we're not supposed to lie about. There are things that's okay to lie about. If like Grace wants to watch Game of Thrones instead of leave her house, that's like okay. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to get off the phone but you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so you say your daughter has a tantrum, like whatever, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that like we should be able to trust when people tell us. Like yeah. I have cancer. Yeah. I'm yeah. pregnant. My brother died. Yeah. You know? That's why my 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 kind of zeitgeisty uh, liar adjacent or or uh, character I guess who's in this world that I'm fascinated with is the character in uh, Sharp Objects who's got the mom who's got Munchausen by proxy and she's lying to her daughter about being sick. I think the act is about this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, that's interesting. Very fascinating to see like a number of fictional characters pop up who are moms who are telling their kids that they're sick even when they're not. Um, but that that's a situation where it's it's impulsive and they can't help it. Like there's something. There's something they have a disease. Exactly, they have a disease, Mm -hmm. factitious disease. But then they end up, in some instances, killing their child. Yeah, exactly. And Mm -hmm. so is that like the golden goose? Like, (laughs) then they're like, I get so much attention then because it seems like there would be. I mean, it happens in the Sixth Sense too. The girl, Misha Barton. Yeah, with the soup. Was it right? And then, but it's like, okay, but then she's dead. So are they at this wake? Like, yeah, you know, like that's their Coachella. (laughs) We did it, baby. (laughs) so strange. It's I'm like, Coachella. I think it's like I think it's like being a person that makes other people makes another person sick or needs to lie like mm-hmm. that. They're sort of like viruses in that the most successful ones keep their host alive for the longest yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Like if you actually 
if you and it, the same thing goes for people who compulsively lie within relationships. I think like they their ideal state the, of somebody who just is a compulsive liar is to keep the person around and alive and keep the relationship alive because that's what they thrive on, which is so fucked up and weird. Yeah. And I don't want to get too much into like you know psychological diagnosis, like <laughs> yeah, you know. Be, but there are specific types of personality disorders that mm-hmm. have like lying as a, a part of it. People who just compulsively lie about little things, for yes, example, yeah. that don't matter. Yeah. Um, have you ever been around somebody like that who just tells like lies, demonstrably false things? Yes. Like what did it did it chill you? Was it scary? I mean, I think a lot of this and I, I think I said this in the email. I do feel like the Internet has kind of ruined some of those compulsive yes. liars because now you can like fact checked and there's Instagram stories and it's like, OK, well, you weren't where you said you were. So like the people in my life that did that. I'm now no longer around or they had to reel it in because they just got called out so intensely. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I watch it on reality shows all the time. I mean, the housewives, like there's been a Munchausen um, storyline. There's been a man faking cancer storyline. Everything that they like their story arc on almost every single city is about someone lying to somebody. That's like everything that's happening. And I'm fucking there for it. (laughs) I think there's like a a subtle thing you can pick up on. Like I was, you know, there's an acquaintance I know who just like every time you ask her, like, what's new with her career? She'll like say a thing that just doesn't ring quite true. And then when you sort of like call her on it or congratulate her on it, she'll like bring it back and like, uh, you know, add like disclaimers. And it's just like, it's not, I never am like, oh, she's a malicious liar. It just makes me uncomfortable because it it doesn't let us ever have a real yeah. human connection. Mm-hmm. And a little sad for that person. Yeah. Too, yeah. yeah. Like, God, this is what you're, because I find lying to be stressful. Yeah. Yes. Like if I'm caught up in something, I mean, that's, they say like the lie, it's the cover up that's bad. And it's like the cover up would be so exhausting to like be faking CAT scans and MRIs. Like that's doctor's appointments. Yeah. And all that's this. terrible. Yeah. And with career stuff it's like well then you have to go home and and know that that's not true yeah. and then just be sitting thinking about how you made so that keeping it straight do you have very, do you have like a vision board of your yeah. lies <laughs> i have one actually the biggest lie that i ever told i think i talked about it on this show was uh, also in that age that young age group that, were, that you mentioned megan i was probably like between the ages of i don't know five and nine or ten when i told this lie but i was so lord forgive me i was so ashamed of being Mexican that when people asked me what para meant, I was like, uh, it's Italian. I'm Italian. I'm oh, Italian. it's heartbreaking. I know. I know. Oh, it was so sad. Little like Grace. a lie. It, I mean, well, it's a lie, but it's like... I didn't think it through, though. Like, the idea of, like, how long I was going to go just pretending that my massive Mexican Catholic family wasn't Italian? Mexican. Italian? And then it was Italian somehow, and that kids, like, couldn't tell the difference Ariana Grande Italian continues to this day. <laughs> I, I, I did not think that through. But eventually, like, I got over that, and I couldn't be happier. Like, I'm so proud of, like, this, you know, great ethnic background or whatever that I have, but uh, not or whatever that I have. But, but it, it took me a while to get there. And as a kid, like, I just, I was like, oh, this will be fine. This will be fine. Yeah. People will never know. Yeah, my lie in like that I've done. And it's one of those lies that I'm like, I was proud of at the time. And like I bragged to my family about because I felt cool was me. And I was visiting my older sister who lived in L.A. at the time. I didn't. Um, I was in high school and we passed like a premiere of like the Glee movie. 
Mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm. like a Glee movie, mm-hmm. and pe- people were waiting at the red carpet. And I was like, come on, let's go see. And they were the security guard was like, no, you can't come in there. And I was like, oh, my God, but me and my sister, we were just we were here. We just went to the bathroom. We had literally just left. Like, I just had to go pee. I'm so sorry. She's been waiting all day. And the security guard was like, all right, whatever. And so we, like, got, and they brought us, like, because we were so late. They, like, brought us, like, a special spot on the red carpet where, like, all the cast members came and, like, saw us and hung out. And my older sister was like, what did you just do? And I, it was great. We got to meet all the, the Glee cast members at the height of, of Glee. Um, oh, so my God. That's pretty dope. So that was, like, that was the type of lie that I like where it's like a victimless yes. scam where then your friends and family are all in on like yeah. I would never betray a trust the trust of like my friends and family they they should reap the benefits of my of my high right. school scamming so St. St. Augustine and Aquinas I can't believe I'm getting super nerdy here with this but I did went I did go to Catholic school they would agree that that's totally fine really I, I, yeah they would oh, agree good. that's totally fine generally lies are unacceptable Kant would agree with this too lies are not cool but they can be forgiven if nobody's being harmed and the, I think yeah. I, I, that seems to be the, the And not only is no one being harmed, people are benefiting. People are benefiting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good lie. Taking selfies with Leah Michelle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one thing that when you're lying to give people access to things, that's super cool. When I get lied to, um, I always feel like sometimes I'm not really offended by the lie itself. I'm offended that the person thought they could lie to me. Mm. Oh, it's like, yeah. do you think I'm fucking dumb? Like, yeah. do you think mm-hmm. you're, oh, you're lying to me. You think you're smarter than me? Yeah. Like, especially if it's an elaborate lie. It's like, I become, my mom is a high school principal and she is really good. She's not as good as she thinks she is, but she's pretty good at detecting when somebody is lying. And she was always really good at getting it out of me when I was in high school. And she would do this thing where she would just like ask a question as though she knew the answer to it, but she didn't know the answer to it and get me to just tell her things. And one time she asked me to recount events backwards, which I learned later is a cop thing. Like if you ask someone to tell you the story, but they ask you, ask you to tell the timeline backwards, tell it it backwards. Yeah. Because if it's a lie they won't like it's like the alphabet backwards you can't yeah. do it when you're drunk they won't be able to do it i don't think i could do it so my either. mom <laughs> years later admitted that she caught me in a lie but never confronted me about it on my first day interning at colbert in new york uh they had to keep me late like until 1 p 1 a.m doing like a thing and i knew that my schedule was at 1 a.m and i had just moved to new york and my mom's like take a cab home you cannot I do not want you to be on the subway. And I was like, it's fine. She's like, take a cab home. Here's $60 uh-huh. to take a cab home. And uh, of course, I get out at 1 a.m. and I just go on the subway. Because it's fine. Because it's fine. Yeah. And here are $60. I just moved to New York. This is great. Yeah. Um, and my mom has like track my phone. Oh. And she said that she saw me just like go zoop, zoop, zoop. And like <laughs> she never confronted me about it. And just years later. Just Did like, you oh, know she hard. had no. track, she was tracking her phone? No. Wow. Or she, I do, but she's always like, she's like, I never use it. It's just if like in an emergency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they always say. Yeah. There's a Black Mirror episode well, about I, that. I do oh, think right. she was worried. It was like, I just moved to, I was like the first one of her, I just moved to New York. Yeah. Like the city, yeah. like it was 1 a.m. Right. I think she was like making sure I wasn't going to end up in a ditch somewhere. That generation's yeah. idea of New York is yes. a lot different yeah. than what it is now. Because I think when they were coming of age, it was like the subway was covered in graffiti. Needles and, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and needles. Until good old Giuliani cleaned it up for us. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks, Rude. Uh, what an American hero. He <laughs> certainly will be remembered fondly yeah. after he's gone and the world is left full of people who 
just adore him. <laughs> yep. Uh, one thing I was thinking about in putting research and stuff together for this episode was the difference between the way that men lie and women lie. And I, I hate being like, girls be like this and guys be like this, because a lot of times it's just kind of hacky and stupid. But I'm talking generally as populations here. So not every woman does this, not every man does this. But when I was reading about this, um, I was reading that men tend to lie when they lie to protect themselves mm. and women tend to lie to protect other people. Mm. They lie. People lie about the same men and women, but men tend to do it selfishly and women tend to do it more um, uh, benevolently. Have you found that to be the case? I'm like, call me a man. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I don't I think I've ever lied to help but someone I, I, else. Yeah, you I, just I, lied to get people on the red carpet. Yeah, but me also. <laughs> that's true. But I if think, you were with your sister, you wouldn't have. That's true. I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't. I needed an audience for that. I think that makes sense in like a familial way. Like mothers, I could see mothers lying for the protection of their, and not like protection, like safety, but even like their kid cheated on something and yeah. they're trying to help them. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that definitely. Dads yeah. don't really do that. No, but I can see a dad lying for themselves to be like, oh, if I get fired from this job, my family's not going to have money. So they're like lying to preserve themselves and they think it's for other people. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, I I heard there's a radio story about this. um, I think a Radio Lab episode about a woman who was with a guy who was a compulsive liar Mm. who um, faked having a job. Like he Mm. he would uh, just leave the house. He would leave the house. And dear John style. Sort Dirty of. John. Dirty, Dirty John. John. Dirty John. Yeah. He was like racking up huge amounts of like credit card debt secretly and like not what? whatever. And they ended up having to break up and it was just like very strange. I just I, I read stories about like that or like another thing that I think social media has ruined is like pilots with secret families. Remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. That used to be a thing. People used to be yeah. like, yeah, he had a secret family in Phoenix. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, well. You know, that he kept getting tagged in photos of yeah, him yeah. holding a baby <laughs> with a woman in Phoenix. Um, do you think social media has changed the way that we lie? We all lie now because of social media. I was going to say. You I, think it's because of social yeah, media? Yeah, because if filters are an option, we'll take that option. Yeah. Oh, you think a filter is a lie? Absolutely. It's a lie. But here's the thing. It's a lie that we're all consenting to. It's a cultural consent that we have all. It's a contract we've all signed. We've all said, yes, mm-hmm. Valencia, put it on your face. <laughs> it's totally acceptable and fine. And I think that. I, I can't tell if that fully enhances us. Like if we're if we're all part of a lie, is that better than if as an individual only a couple people are doing it? I, I don't well, know. Well, but only a couple people are doing like very strange photoshopping of mm-hmm. oh, like photoshopping of like right. Or what about that time that I think it was like someone s- took a picture of himself like on a, by a private jet and then someone it was like, grown up bow wow. It was grown up <laughs> <laughs> grown up bow wow. Yeah. <laughs> right, like that's yes. a social media lie. And then someone was like, yeah. he's in coach next. Yeah. Week. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's easier to catch people. You know, yeah. like he wouldn't have been caught. I also think social media makes some people who like I think there's people that have children for the attention on social media for sure. <laughs> or have a wedding. Sure. And like uh, I, I can give you names off that, you know, like <laughs> I, I, truly. And so I think there's people that follow through on these grand lies mm-hmm. because of social media in a way that is really like dark and scary because yeah. you're watching it happen. A wedding is a is a great example. I mean, like that happens all the time and the people aren't even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I, I think social media has made lying 
complicated in a different way. Like you were talking about people posting Instagram stories despite being like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. You know, (laughs) that's like how stupid people get caught lying. But I think that now social media has made it so people can. Yeah, I think here's an example. Like Grace was talking about filters. There are some people, filters, whatever, are fine. But then there's some people who overuse Facetune. And I like, that is such a, that is a like, I don't want to be in an elevator with you type situation. Like if I meet somebody and I'm like, oh yeah, follow you on Instagram and they're Facetuning. I'm like, there is something deeply wrong. Yes. Is it Calista Huckabee? I I don't know. know. Oh, Calista Gingrich? Calista Gingrich. Mm. Yeah. There it is. Uh, her, not, I don't want to shame anyone, but she has... She deserves to be shamed. Yeah. She's married to Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Um, their Facetune photos are eerie and unsettling, oh like alien, like so smooth. And then yeah. just the eyes popping Ooh. out. It's like, it's like a, a tarp of taupe skin and then eyes. It's so weird yeah. because I also don't think older people are good know at how it. to do they it. They definitely yeah. not. No, no, Beyonce's mom, Tina Knowles, has some Facetune issues. Yeah. Sorry, not to put you on blast, Mama Knowles. I really do love you. Thank you for your daughters. But <laughs> I, was, I mean, I, Tiffany Trump, too. If you scroll yeah. through her uh, Instagram, I think she's the best Trump. She's. She, I mean, she's the best. She's the least Trump. She's yeah. the best adult Trump for sure. <laughs> the best Trump because she's the least. She Trump. is the least Trump, but she does not have a handle on Facetune. Yeah, but I would say like all of my Instagrams are like twenty percent lie. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the, as in not because I'm editing, but because they like present a version of my life that's not entirely accurate. Like mm-hmm. I'm posting yeah. like you know, a book artfully splayed and like my coffee and like, yeah, I am drinking coffee and reading a book, but like 10 seconds later, it's like messier. And I edited it to make it look like I was in some like beautiful sunlit. Yeah. You know, right. Whatever. Right. Oh, I want to take a picture of this possession that I have. Let me clear the pile yeah. of mail <laughs> off my kitchen table and like yeah. straighten out the, you know, there's, there's exactly. That. That's why whether it's 20% or whether it's 90%, we should all just accept that social media is a bed of lies and mm-hmm. we can either choose to lay in that bed or we can choose to step the fuck away. Yeah. So here's, here's a question I have when it comes to like the way you represent yourself versus the way that things actually are um, and whether or not this is a lie. What is... I'm sure all of us have done this, um, putting on a brave face. So when you feel like shit, mm-hmm. but you go out into the world being like, I'm great. Everything's great. Is that a useful lie to tell? Is that a useful lie for your, your for you yourself? Is that a useful lie for people who see you and think that you're always okay and therefore they're wrong if they're not okay? I think this is a two-prong answer. I genuinely do believe in fake it till you make it, which is if you feel, and I've you know had depression for most of my life and I you know have had found to varying success ways to deal with it. But I do genuinely believe if you wake up, get dressed in pants that aren't sweatpants, do your hair a way that makes you feel good, make your bed and go out in the world, you might feel 5% better. You might feel 10% better, but it will help you. Mm -hmm. So I believe in quote unquote lying to yourself. Even if you feel like being a mess in sweatpants, if you force yourself into that like lie of, of being a functional human being, (laughs) you'll make yourself feel better. And I think it becomes damaging when you're doing it for other people. Mm -hmm. When you're like, I have to put on this facade. So everyone else thinks I'm a brave face. So everyone else knows I can take care of them. The only, Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that completely. The only exception is I think in professional settings, we all have to try to put on 
a face, yes. a facade of some kind, because otherwise, like, I, I believe we feed off each other's energy. So the more that we all come to the table professionally and bring a sense of like, okay, I'm, I'm together, I'm ready, I'm here, let's do this, the more that helps everybody else. And I'm talking, like, I'm kind of seeing us in this circle and thinking about the way that writer's rooms operate. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really difficult if you're in a room of like 10, 12 people and one person is just like feeling awful. It happens, it happens. But mm-hmm. when you, that can very easily bring down the energy and thus the productivity of a room. And so you can apply that to any industry, really. Um, but I, I agree completely that faking it till you make it makes sense. Yesterday, I, I'm running out of contacts. And so I just had my glasses on. I got like, I got to get my roots I done. I feel so deceived. I, 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 <laughs> yesterday, I was a mess and I felt emotionally like a mess it, too. And it's true. Yeah. And those two sides of the coin, the physical side and the emotional side were absolutely uh, aligned yesterday. Today, got up, put some lipstick on, sprayed myself with some fancy perfume. Let's get it. You look great. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing, too. Like, we are all on this podcast and people are listening to it and we get emails from listeners, not to get too meta, but we no. get emails and tweets and social media messages from people all the time who are like, you women are, you know, great. And my kid listens. And we had this group of kids that are competing in the Aspen Ideas yes, Festival so. that messaged us that like they all listen and like they're they're listening and they're like, we love these strong women that we're listening to, but like we all feel like shit sometimes too. Totally. And I feel like that I was, I was going through a a recent time of feeling like shit and Mm -hmm. thinking as I was feeling like shit, I can't feel like shit publicly because that's, you know, Mm -hmm. I think part of the thing of being a strong person though, is that people can sense you're being genuine. And part of being genuine is that there's highs and lows to Mm -hmm. that. Right. Like, you know, honesty is celebrated in a lot of ways. I think if I was listening to a podcast or watching anything where someone was talking as themselves and it seemed preachy or condescending or holier than thou, you would be able to tell that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I've I've shit my pants at a Target. Like, am I? <laughs> oh my god! Am really? I an really? incredibly successful, beautiful person? Yeah, but like, <laughs> someone had to buy me pants and bring them to me in the bathroom. <laughs> Thank God you were at a Target. That's like a good. That's place. Yeah. great. Place. It's an excellent place for it to happen. Well, I I agree, Megan, that that I think that we're also skirting the issue of human vulnerability and the idea that the more you can express vulnerability, the more you can relate to other people on a human level. Like I would Mm -hmm. love for all you you ladies to feel comfortable being like unhappy around me, for instance. Mm -hmm. But then there's a lot of people out in the world where we're like, I don't want to hear your bullshit. I'm sorry. So what that line is, I'm not necessarily sure. It's hashtag blessed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's I think it has a lot to do with being women. I think a lot of times uh, women expressing their specific kind of vulnerability is frowned upon and men also, but they have a different type of vulnerability. Like they express vulnerability by like punching a wall after they miss a layup or like being (laughs) angry or, you know, directing their, their vulnerability as a form of like external violence that is not necessarily helpful and Mm -hmm. not all men, some men. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of direct ourselves like our, you know, self-hate inward Mm -hmm. and, and sort of that's what ends up happening. So going back to the whole lie thing, though, I think I agree that fake it till you make it is good. But I also think it's really important for people to understand that everybody is faking it yes. a little bit. Yeah. Just like yeah. the the baseline is it's not just social media. It's just being a human being. Yeah. All of us have some kind of like, have you ever have you guys ever done mushrooms? No, really. I had to babysit. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the things that happens on mushrooms is you get very like empathetic, 
And sometimes you have like a couple days where you still continue to feel like very empathetic. And uh, the first time I, the only time I've done mushrooms, I had a few days where I was like in public and looking around at the people around me and thinking like, all of these people have pain. (laughs) But that's that's true. Like every single person is lying to themselves a little bit to go out in the world. So I think there's a difference when it comes to vulnerability. Something sort of Grace brought up is like if you have an acquaintance and you're like at the grocery store and you're like, hey, how are you? You don't want them to be like, let me tell you. (laughs) Do you have four hours? Yeah. You're like, relax. (laughs) But it's so like a genuine moment of bonding when there's like a friend you're close with and you can like open up a little bit. And I think that's just like being a human to, to understand also that. I think that drawing the cue on your forehead facing the other way makes you a good liar, but also makes you understand that like the circumstances is like the difference between a stranger in a grocery store and like a friend that you can open up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to make it, make it more fun toward the end of this conversation, um, what do you think, what's your favorite like liar or lie of all time? I have the best one. Can okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's 2011. Robert Pattinson is is promoting the movie Water for Elephants, in which he plays a circus vet. Mm. Matt Lauer is interviewing a circus vet, a circus vet, a a veterinarian at a circus. Oh, Mm. uh, not a veteran of the circus, (laughs) like he fought in the circus wars. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's a veterinarian at a circus. Okay, Uh, Matt Lauer is interviewing him on the Today Show, and as a softball intro question, Matt Lauer goes. So a lot of kids always wanted to run away to the circus when they were young. Did you like the circus when you were a kid, Robert Pattinson? Robert Pattinson, without missing a beat, goes, I only went to the circus once, actually, in a British accent, which I'm not going to do, because I only went to the circus once when I was a kid, uh, and it was was actually horrible. Someone died when I was at the circus. And Matt Lauer's like, what? And he's like, a clown died, and everyone had to leave. And Matt Lauer's like... I was going to move on to my second softball question, but I'm going to follow up on this. <laughs> Excuse me? And he goes, his toy car, like the joke car, exploded. What? And the clown died, and everyone had to evacuate. My parents had to bring me out. And that was the only time I've ever been to a, the circus. And Matt Lauer's like, all right, moving on. And like the headline the next day on like the Today Show website is like, for Robert Pattinson, circuses are scarier than vampires. Which is, it's like, it's a crazy story. Crazy story. And then, like, two weeks later, he was still doing press for this, and he was in Germany. I've looked into this, please. (laughs) He was in Germany, and a reporter was like, a German reporter was like, so you you told this story about a clown? Can I, I'm going to follow up on that. And Robert Pattinson was like, I made that up. The truth (laughs) is, like, that never happened. I just panicked. It was, like, 7 in the morning. I had nothing interesting to say. crazy thing to say. And so I just made up a story about a clown exploding. (laughs) That's it. I can't believe he fessed up to it. Like, immediately. But, like, isn't that... I think he knew, like... I mean, if someone followed up on that, it would be weirder if he continued to lie about it. Yeah. But what a crazy lie. I mean, I love it because it's a it's a victim. The only victim is Matt Lauer. Okay? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, he, he needs a little bit I of that think in it's his okay. life. No, yeah. no clowns, like, were actually harmed. Yeah. I just it's so bizarre, and he's so confident telling the lie. I lo- It's on YouTube. I Google. cannot oh, wait. Man. It's so That's great. Genius. That is such an example of how people who are prejudiced end up being the stupid ones. Like, if you're prejudiced enough that you believe everything, like, a, a Brit- guy with a British accent tells you, like, that's a, yeah. for- that's a form of prejudice. Like, the type of prejudice that allowed Elizabeth Holmes to get away with lying But also, so long, yeah. in, 
I, I hate even saying these words in Matt Lauer's defense. <laughs> Robert Pattinson was super confident and like he he was like a few times he's like, seriously, like really? And Robert Pattinson's like, yeah, it was it was horrible. Like my family evacuated. Like he was so serious even when challenged. Yeah. Like, oh God. Like it's so believable. Oh my Well, that's like with with Elizabeth Holmes, I feel like she genuinely believed in what she was selling. I think she still yeah. does. I think she still I think does. She too. Still does so yeah. is that is she still uh, is she still a liar or is she just faking it until she makes and it? And like I, I think know. the fire festival guys so yes, thought they yes. were going to pull it off. They're yes. like, how hard could it be? They yeah. genuinely believed yeah. that like... They are like one in the same to yeah. me. Yeah. I agree. They all think they can pull it off and they have... They don't think they're scamming people. They think they're going to pull this thing off because yep. how hard can it be? And they've seen other people scam people and it worked out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the fire festival guys and Paul Manafort and mm -hmm. like all of this, the, the recent uptick in scamming coverage has made me wonder how full of scammers the world is. Mm -hmm. Like, are there just a, are we all kind of low grade scamming? Anna Delvey yeah. is on yes. trial right now, but hers is legit scamming where she's like, I'm going to steal money. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Grace, who's your favorite scammer or liar? Uh, well, I was going to say Elizabeth Holmes because I don't think that she believes she's lying. And that I'm fascinated by. Fascinated by the idea that you can essentially lie to yourself so much that you believe it's true. Um, I don't have much more on that. I just think she's really interesting. I'm excited to see how that, how that continues uh, to play it, out. I think she has a court date coming up in July. Mm -hmm. Which and she's engaged, so Mazel Tov. Oh, right. How is that possible? I don't know. Her, I read like, of course, it's like a tabloid, so who knows? But apparently, her fiance's family thinks that she brainwashed him. Oh my god! It's like a whole drama because wow. he comes from money. He's like a heir. Wow. What? Wow. Fuck, man. Okay, Megan, who's your favorite lie or liar? So this was maybe one of my favorite sports stories. Um, there was a man in Pittsburgh who pretended to be. Ben Roethlisberger. Um, what? <laughs> and he's a terrible person. To, this is very much like yours. You're like, wow, this, the person that got scammed is also terrible. So maybe that's why I like it. Um, this man pretended to be Ben Roethlisberger to sleep with women nice. and ended up like signing neighbors of the women's like memorabilia. And the neighbor was like, hey, that's not Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> um, and so he ended up being arrested. And my favorite part of it is this man is fat and very ugly <laughs> and I just wish I could have seen when Ben Roethlisberger saw the man's mugshot and was like you guys thought that was me and everyone's like yes we did <laughs> there's a lot of people that if someone confidently told me that it was them yeah like for a, sure. a chain smoker Anyone could be one of the, the chain smokers. For an yeah. athlete, if someone was like yeah. kind of tall and in shape and in sweats of any team, absolutely, I'm like, you're on the Jazz. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. Right. But Ben Roethlisberger, if you live in Pittsburgh, you're pretending to be the star football player. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. such a bold thing. Yeah. You could pretend to be like a defensive end who's like second yeah. string. Well, at first he said he was the second string quarterback, okay. but a woman he was scamming was like, I. They just showed you on TV and it's not you. Uh, <laughs> and what, what was his response? I think he was like, click. And then he was like, I guess I'll be Ben Roethlisberger. You know? people that lie. That's like people who lie on like Tinder and stuff. And yeah. Be, like, I can't even imagine how much that happens. I think it, it definitely does. But then eventually, you know, what, what's your end game? Like yeah. eventually it's going to come out. Like there's a very short shelf life for any relationship formed on lies. But I think my favorite genre of lie is like, the lie that spawned catfish, like catfishing yeah. online, yeah. because it's such a fascinating study of confirmation bias and how people 
are so easily lied to when they're being told what they want to hear, which is yeah. in this case that Katy Perry is their online girlfriend. Yeah. When, like, Aww. despite all the fact that like, yeah, well, oh, this person said that they're my girlfriend, but they'll not, they said their phone is broken and they yeah. can't look at a camera or they're allergic. They've been on an oil rig for six years. Right. Yeah. And, and they're allergic to lenses. And so they can't <laughs> be photographed. And it's like, it's a person being confronted with all of these things that are like, look, it's not this, per- like every clue is saying that it is not what you want this to be. Yeah. It's like when a person is like very clearly being cheated on or a person yeah. who is very clearly being yeah. married to like, like Camille Cosby to go dark. Like she yeah. was like in the face of all of this evidence. She's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. You know, there's people that think the catfish movie mm-hmm. that he made that up. That would be Ooh. extremely. I would have to tip tip my hat. Yeah, that would that would be. I would have it's to. Like, where'd you find this family? Oh, but <laughs> also, like, what a concept. Yeah, yeah, what a great concept. This just made me think. I don't know if you guys have watched Pen Fifteen. That show is so brilliant. It is so funny. But there's an episode where um, the the girls, one of the girls, Maya, uh, falls in love with a guy on Instant Messenger whose screen name is Fly Miami Bro, I believe. Mm. And it turns out that she thinks it's like this hot guy who lives in Miami who's like 22 or whatever. And it turns out it's just one of her classmates in junior high Aww. and he's got a huge crush on her and it's it's really sweet but they, but they continue that charade for forever and neither of them really know like when they should meet each other and if they should meet each other it's it's so funny i highly recommend the show um that's not a lie that's that's a truth that's the that's a truth okay watch pen, truth. watch pen 15 be mm-hmm. honest with each other but lie to yourself what other takeaways yep. do we have from this also like reporters out there keep covering scammers because Mm -hmm. it's fun we Mm -hmm. can't get enough (laughs) very intriguing truly can't get enough well we have to take a break but when we come back the hills that we'll die on All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop Welcome back to Hysteria. We've gotten to the part of the show where we take adamant stances on things that don't matter. It's the hills that we'll die on. Let's get started first with our listener hill this week. Hi, my name is Meredith, and the hill that I will die on is that water should never be served in a restaurant with a lemon unless you've requested it. Hmm. I ordered water. 
If I wanted a lemon, I would have asked for a lemon because that's lemon water. It's not water. And I know it's only perched on the edge when they bring it, but there's still some of that <laughs> lemon juice that's going to get into your water and it's going to alter the taste of the water I taste it. When you order French fries, they don't come with ketchup already on them. Oh. Don't assume what I like. Wow. Meredith. I like that, Meredith. I I enjoy lemon in my water, so I'll take it any old time, but I really like the French fries and ketchup analogy. Perfect. Yeah, that is good. I think also it's a waste of lemon. It, like, I you, think that's maybe what Meredith's. Yeah. Yeah. Up is, I, I mean, it's just it lemon is so good on so many things. Like if yeah. you just put it most foods, if you put a little citrus on at the end, makes it a little better. Makes it better. Yeah. Don't waste it by putting it on yeah. a water. Water's yeah. fine as is. I, I will also say I'm not going to waste this as my hill, but I, I hate Dasani water. I think it tastes weird. I can't do it. And I someone was it. like, it's water. It this podcast is sponsored by Dasani. I'm so sorry. <laughs> kidding. It's, it's not at all. But I think you can taste the difference in water. Is that a weird thing? No. no. You know, it's also like the Coca-Cola name on it, which makes it a little bit weird. See, and I don't, it's not an ideological thing for me. I think it tastes different. It's mm. ideological for me, and it also is a taste thing Thank for me. You. I'm with you. Yeah. I've spent my whole life trying to chase the dragon of the taste of water in my home faucet. <laughs> because we, uh, where I grew up, we weren't connected to any, like, city water. It was all, like, well water. So it was totally, <laughs> it was, like, not with fluoride, no chlorine nothing. So it's just the minerals and the pure groundwater and nothing tastes like it, probably because people don't want to die of easily curable diseases that you can cure by <laughs> treating the water. But my whole life I've like looked for it and looked for it. And the only thing I can get it, the only place I can get it is the faucet at home. Oh, that's yeah. kind of sweet. Damn, so I spend my sweet. whole time with just my mouth around the faucet, <laughs> <laughs> just with the thing on full blast. Um, Megan, do you want to get started with okay. the today? I think we have to stop doing silly poses uh, when we're doing group photos mm. and they're like, okay, and now a silly one. I don't want to do it. I'm silly <laughs> professionally. Uh, so I'm saying it shouldn't be done. Listen to me. I am the authority mm. on what is funny and they're not <laughs> fucking funny. I see them a lot around holiday time, families and matching PJs. Fine. Great. I don't want to see that your brother's wacky. I don't care. <laughs> stop doing it. We're grown-ups. I don't even think we should be asking children to do it. Children are funny naturally. Let them explore whatever pose they'd like to do. Wow. I like it. I, I like that a lot. I would I would impl uh, I, I would implement the um, reverse bell curve theory with this, which is that when you are very young and when you are very old, you can do silly. Anything in between like but nine I think they and naturally 80. go to it though. Like an old person, you know, will sometimes throw up a peace sign on their own. They sure. don't need to be prompted. I see. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Forced wackiness negates Ugh. the negates the humor. Yeah. yeah. Forced yeah. wackiness is pretty bad. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing, uh like a, a manufactured wacky Christmas sweater. Yeah. is like the same kind Ugh, of ethos. It's like the that. point of it is that it's organic and yeah. that you found it in the wild. A and that you have booth. a personality and this yes. is expressing it and not like I'm, ooh, yeah, I hate a fake like wacky. ugly Christmas sweaters that you buy online mm -hmm. right. to be That's, purposefully ugly I don't Christmas like sweaters. Yeah, like, horrible. Like Photo that. booths with props as well, where it's like, oh, put on these wacky sunglasses and this feather boa. That First of all, fun when people, you're drunk, though. Grace. When you're drunk, tr true. But people's sticky hands have been on it, and yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of people's sticky hands have been on me when I'm drunk. So <laughs> it's fine. Um, Dana, do you want to go next? Yeah, mine is kind of weird. But have you noticed that every time on Facebook, some after someone's birthday, they all everyone always says the same. thing phrase, uh, thanks all for the birthday wishes, yeah. Yeah. which 
is so weird to me because it's like an alien phrase that no one would naturally say. And yet it's this <laughs> phrase that we all have sort of absorbed subconsciously because everyone else does it. Uh-huh. So I hate that phrase. I hate saying thanks to all for the birthday wishes because it reminds me of this like weird that that human beings are lemmings, that we're like pack animals uh-huh. that will just like we just repeat yeah. rituals mindlessly. Um so just don't don't do that. Challenge that. Be like, why? That's not a thing I would naturally say. So why am I saying that? It's also a bit self-aggrandizing because it's like, thanks all for the birthday <laughs> wishes. Like there were just so many people who wished me happy birthday this year. I couldn't possibly name them all. I'm also- picturing you on a balcony <laughs> <laughs> with a large cape. I couldn't yeah. possibly yeah. thank them all. <laughs> also, just like birthday wishes. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Go find are we like in a? Vic- Did you get like a star and a card? <laughs> like, are you a Victorian <laughs> child? Like, I just it's so artificial. Yeah. And it represents something so unsettlingly yeah. artificial to me. Okay, fair. Okay, here's mine, and I will not be taking questions. Um, <laughs> I think that we should let pandas go extinct. No, 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 no. I think we should. I feel like maybe you should take questions. <laughs> Red pandas? Here's, no, just regular pandas. Okay. Panda. Regular pandas. <laughs> Grace is on board now. <laughs> it's not that I think they're ugly, and it's not that I want pandas that are currently living to be exterminated. I think we should let them live out their lives as they see fit, but they clearly clearly don't want to breed. They clearly don't really care about being here. We are pouring immense amounts of resources into preserving the panda species when they're not that important to the global ecosystem. We really should be preserving other species that are less cute because less cute species matter more <laughs> to the world. But I guess it doesn't really matter because we're all going to be extinct in like 30 years anyway. But what if pandas are just depressed and what we should be doing is giving them panda wellbutrin? Then let's make it and give it to them at, and stop doing this big song and dance. I just think we should let him go. Extinct. I think it is not to get all like Jonathan Franzen on things, but he has written. He's like cares a lot about birds. And Same. Has, I'm. That's the only thing he and I have in common. But he's written a lot about how a lot of resources go to like flashy, like the popular, the animals. top animals, yeah. and also like the. Oh, like prevent global warming when it's like house cats kill like, you know, however many birds, which I I have a cat. I love a cat. But he his point is sometimes that like these big, sexy issues overshadow the more important, the more ones. important mundane problem. Yeah, because the bears are cute. I yeah. think you can so place cute. the blame on Kung Fu Panda, really. Mm-hmm. And very cute. Oh, yeah. And Major Jack Black. franchises, yeah. exactly, that have perpetuated this idea that pandas need to be kept around longer. That's, it's DreamWorks. Because they're good at Kung it Fu. It is DreamWorks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for finally <laughs> implicating the real villain here. <laughs> DreamWorks. Okay, Grace, do you want to do your hill? I'm so... Uh, listen, guys, I am a huge Game of Thrones fan, okay? Mm-hmm. So my hill is related to the Game of Thrones world. Bran needs to die. And I think... I, 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 I'm I, so... He's the worst character. <laughs> I'm so sorry boring. that he's paralyzed. It's very, very sad. But this bullshit of him popping up in the last episode and being like, oh, actually, guys, the Night King wants me. He's wanted mm-hmm. me this whole time. It's really all about me. And everyone's just like, oh, yeah, okay. What? That's eight seasons in and we're just finding out that he's the reason that the Night King is coming this way? No, that's fucked up. Also, I will also tell you this, the crypt, this whole situation of putting all of yeah, our... Yeah, so it, dumb. It's so dumb. And if they don't have a backup for the crypt, fuck them. Well, fuck them. There needs to be some sort of backup because everybody who's in that crypt is just going to die. Let's put around all the dead people. Yeah, the, the, dead pe- the Night King has one power, which is resurrecting dead people exactly. into his army. So let's put the most vulnerable people surrounded by dead bodies. Yes, they're going to reanimate and Ned Stark's going to come and kill people. I also thought this last episode was trying to be too funny. 
It was and big. And I did yes. not like that. Yeah. I did like it. I did not. <laughs> I did it. I felt really pandered to. There was a couple scenes. Like there's there's a there's a recent phenomenon where it's like all of Hollywood was like, fuck, uh, women need to feel empowered. Oh, let's yeah. write an empower yeah. scene. And you can always tell when men wrote it because it's like that's like a man version of what they think empowering is. And yeah. like something that's gonna make anytime you're in a scene and all the characters start with a slow clap. Yeah. <laughs> I think what's happening too is that so many people are watching it now that they've had to dumb it down. Yeah, for sure. Because like when Danny and Sansa were having that conversation, I was like, this isn't how they used to talk. They were talking like it was like present day. Like he likes you, girl. And I'm like, no, I want I want Shakespearean flourishes. Yeah, this is. And like, why is that? Why is he letting milk drip down his beard? So disgusting. It was pretty grotesque. Yeah, it was a fan service. It felt like fan service. Yeah. I think I didn't I, mind. I didn't mind it either because I think it's the last time we're going to get service. Yeah, I think because the next four episodes are all, all bets off. I felt the same they way. They serviced you. They serviced the fans yeah. for the last two episodes. And it's going to be an 80-minute bloodbath. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like I was reading. It's like the longest battle scene ever. Oh, my God. I can't 80 look. minutes, guys. I get so excited. It's going to be an ordeal. It is. I'm wow. going to go ahead and say I'm going to need some help sleeping on Sunday night because I'll probably have to take, like, extra melatonin. <laughs> That's how I roll. If you have loins, gird them. <laughs> I guess this is a, a Game of Thrones, but you'll be out in time. I um, I'm headlining a, a brand new comedy club in Indianapolis this weekend called Helium. I am performing against the NRA convention that is wow. happening less than like five minutes away from what? where the club is. So if you are anywhere in Indiana, Illinois, Cincinnati's, and you want to show your disgust with the NRA, I think coming to see a feminist female comedian is the best way to do that. I love it. Also, yes. Megan's stand-up is great. If yes. you haven't seen it yet, you should, and you have the opportunity to, you should definitely Thank go you. see yeah. it. Um, yeah, so any information you want is, uh, we'll is put on it my in the, Instagram. We'll put it in the show notes, too. But, um, yeah, the president is speaking there Friday, and then I'm doing shows Saturday, Sunday, so I think I'm a better option. Yes. Yeah. He's your opener. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my mom's friends said he can never steal your light (laughs) oh that's so sweet okay well that's a great note to end on nobody will steal megan's light or anybody else's light (laughs) dana grace megan thank you for coming to studio today to chat about lying with me and thanks to Alyssa mastermonico for calling in to chat about liars with me and thank you all for listening if you like what you're hearing please rate us and review us on itunes and tell your friends and there will be more hysteria next week Get your gun. Give them a-